This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann, and you're listening to episode 1728, Local Food Nodes. As this episode is released on October 10th, 2017, it marks the seventh anniversary of this podcast and my graduating from my permaculture design course. I can't believe how far this show has come in that time, and the hundreds and hundreds of episodes now approaching 500, that I've had the opportunity and privilege to release. First is some little informational bits as I was gaining my own understanding of permaculture, and then later, the interviews that started with Rachel Kaplan, where we were talking about urban homesteading, all the way up through now, with the conversation that you'll hear in a few minutes with Victor Zonders. I'm still surprised that this show that began with just me speaking out into the void of the internet has become what it is today, a place where the voices of so many can be heard, talking about everything from farming and homesteading to topics like restorative justice, the commons, and the different ways that we can create the world that we want to live in through landscape, social, cultural, and economic change. With this anniversary, Tonight at Midnight also draws the Summer to Fall fundraiser to a close. I'd like to thank everyone who contributed to that campaign, because together we raised $1,383, and after exchange rates, 27 cents. I really appreciate everyone who took the time to contribute to that. And I'll be in touch with the drawing winners of the next day or two for the books that I was giving away as part of this fundraiser. With that, let's go ahead and get into today's conversation, where my guest is Victor Zonders. Victor is one of the creators of localfoodnodes.org, a website designed to directly connect food producers and consumers. During the conversation, he shares with us the background for this project, the importance of building relationships in our food system, and how you can get involved and start your own food node. Let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Victor, and I'll join you again afterwards. Victor, could you give us a bit of your biography and background, how you came to do what you're doing, and then we can move the conversation into talk about local food notes? Sure. So I did a bunch of uh, IT and economics and stuff in university, uh, if I start there, uh, and then worked with that for a couple of years, doing some programming and stuff, and then I got this uneasy kind of feeling of... Uh, being trapped in, in something that wasn't really fun and engaging. Uh, and I started looking out towards things like uh, biology and, and food production and things that just felt more interesting to me. So I left my work uh, at this big IT firm about five, six years ago and ended up uh, at a permaculture design course here in Sweden with uh, Richard Perkins, who's now doing a really nice farm up here. And from that on, from that time on, I kind of took a big detour into to learning about land management and uh, permaculture and key line and all these different topics. But then when I really wanted to do something with it, I managed to end up back at the computer and, and kind of engaged with trying to um, create this infrastructure that I see is necessary for these ideas to really mature and, and, and become widely used. 
I mean, that's a very short kind of intro, and, and because for me, I feel it's quite hard to say exactly how I got to where I am. It feels it feels a bit wandering, but but that's kind of the the short version of of my trajectory. Well, and it's interesting for me how many of us are now doing this kind of work that is focused on regenerative and sustainable solutions in different ways, and the way that we're able to leverage technology in order to do so. As I think you know, if you've listened to a few episodes of the show, I come from a background of studying computer science many years ago, and I did a lot of desktop support, and then was a field service manager for a company, installing a lot of equipment for dentists and the like, and then moved into this world of podcasting using my background in technology, leveraging that along with a short career that I had in radio to bring all that together into a way to take my love of permaculture and to present it to more people. And I was interested in our conversation today because you're the fourth person who I've spoken to in the last year who has a project like this in order to connect people with different aspects of food and our food system and also like consumer education. And so I was wondering if you could give us a bit more detail about this idea of local food nodes and how you're using technology to intersect with these ideas. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's what we come out of a lot is this need for direct relations and how we can really leverage the fact that we know each other to create really, really strong local circulation and strong local economies. And I came into this kind of project with, or I came together with it with my, uh, another guy that we started with. He was already a small scale producer and looking to sell his produce somewhere. Uh, so he was going to set up a site to sell his own stuff. And they figured like, why am I selling just my stuff? It feels very, could be more useful to have other people at the same place. You know, that's kind of the, where we got into it. And then, so basically what we tried to do is a sort of local registry of, of local producers and what they sell and so that you can book through there, uh, but still retaining that direct connection between the producer and the consumer. And what we've, once we started exploring this and we did a pilot test last year and with a really basic site and all that, uh, and once we started exploring this, we felt that the, it's such a very strong concept, this kind of just making explicit all the local activity that is available for you to take part in and, and all these kind of, all the people that are, are producing near to you that you just don't see unless you're very active in going to look for them while kind of retaining uh, this ability for producers to really state their own prices, say what they, you know, market the way that they want to market themselves and not get forced into like a frame that somebody else has put out there for them. Uh, I mean, that's what we're striving for and to the largest degree. I mean, it works really well for food because it's such a central place in our culture and we need, we, everybody needs to eat. Uh, but I think it's also something that we can grow into like a wider range of local services and local um, uh, materials and building materials and garden materials, all that stuff. And so we're kind of seeing this uh, idea that local nodes or local consolidation of, of, of small scale producers can be a really powerful thing to 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 just make communities come together. We've seen that for our village is a really interesting kind of space to to meet like every week or every other week or however often it is 
and you have a little conversation with the producers that are there and, and how everything's going. And, and so it's this very, like, it, it's just a thin digital veneer on, on like community engagements that we're trying to build. So it's, it's kind of like making the, the simplest version of this internet aggregation potential in order to just facilitate this community to come together. So you're using technology in order to create local connections and bring people together? Yeah, exactly. So, so, so it's, you know, taking also, also it's about making it easier for people to, to have that, you know, as a part of their daily life. I listened to the episode you did with David Holmgren yesterday where he talked about how much food people that are really of an intention to buy local and do that, how much people are still using supermarkets and, and, and we're definitely the same way here to get groceries and all that because it's, it is such an ingrained part in our uh, kind of patterns of behavior uh, and to change them we feel that we need to make it simpler in a way so that's why we're trying to like make producers come at the same time and place for delivery so it's easier for consumers to buy a lot of things and pick them up at once. So I, maybe I should go into how it normally works, because otherwise maybe it comes a little abstract. Well, that was my next question, because what you've shared so far reminds me a bit of a combination of both a CSA model, community-supported agriculture, as well as like a, a pop-up farmer's market. And I'm wondering if you could elaborate on that a bit more so I can get a better understanding of what this process looks like. Yeah, yeah, those are really two really good analogies. This project came out of a, a pre-study around uh, CSA agriculture in Sweden uh, that my partner in the project did. So it's really based on CSA. A lot of a lot of the thinking is is there, but also as you say, we kind of called it sometimes a pre-sale uh, farmers market. So everything's booked in advance, and everybody just shows up and makes the transactions. But you also have a little time to to talk. And sometimes we make longer events. But to, to give it a clearer view, basically what we, we have set up is a tool or a platform where you can, you can register a place to be a local food node or a local delivery point. So you set a specific address and a time of date in the week. So say Tuesday is at 6 is what we have locally here. And once you've set that, you've enabled producers uh, that uh, are around this area to say, I want to come and deliver to that spot. So they create an account and add all the, so where they can market themselves and link to their external sites and, and put in pictures and everything. And then they create their products on the site and put in the inventory that they have available. And then they connect to these nodes that they find around them. So the ones that they feel that they have the energy to go to or that fits with their schedules or that have enough customers for them to feel that it's worthy to try and build relations there, depending on scale and all of that. So basically, once you've set up a node, producers can add their products to that node to the specific days that they want to come and deliver. And then once that is all set up, consumers or customers can log on to the site and check out their node or their adjacent nodes and order the food that they'd like to have. And then they come and pick it up and pay uh, either before or at the site or um, however they choose. There's another feature of, of the site is that none of the transactions take place over our platform, which means that we are, and that's very deliberate, means that we are also completely currency 
I mean, you can use whatever currency you please. So we, we're hoping to be able to work with things like community currencies in places and, and other things that usually find it a bit difficult online to integrate. So rather than being revenue agnostic and trying to accept as many things as you can through your site, which would then kind of create a website that then acts as a middleman between the consumer and the producer, you're just kind of acting as an information hub to connect those markets to each other so that then the consumer can have a more direct relationship with their farmer and then be able to pay them in whatever means they prefer. Even if they wanted to say, you know, trade like childcare services or perhaps massage or something, if the producer's open to that, then that's fine as well. Yeah, I mean, the terms of agreement that you enter into by registering on the site are that you follow general laws in your country. So the tax laws and corporate laws or, or whatever those laws are where you are and, and kind of food and safety things. So beyond that, that's what you agree to so that we have producers that are, are not displaying things when not operating in a legal way. But beyond that, yeah, we're not executing the sales. Like the orders come in to the producers, but then whatever happens after that. So that's you have a page on your uh, or you have um, a part of the site where you can see all the orders that come in, but they also all send you an email. So if you prefer to just, you know, take your emails and, and, and use that uh, and to fulfill the orders. Uh, so after the booking's been done on our site, we don't interfere in any way between the communication between the uh, customer and the producers. So whatever agreements are come to, uh, whether that's, oh, I can't come this Tuesday or, or something came uh, up, I can't deliver this or, uh, I mean, whatever whatever happens. That's So we're, we're, we're kind of setting the initial order up. But then after that, whatever agreement they come to is completely up to them. That fits in really well with a lot of the other movements that are going on around food and currency, whether it's, you know, slow food or slow money, the different ways that we can create these direct relationships between the consumer and their farmers or their other providers. I really like this idea because it it removes a lot of the question that people have when trying to find information about things. I was just having a conversation with a colleague of mine this morning before we sat down for this conversation about local permaculture farms. And in that, I realized how few I know of locally, and that it's a little bit of information here, a little bit of information there. And I like the way that technology is being used to aggregate this information because it's kind of curating all of these ideas into localized places, making it easier to find those people who we really want to connect with. That even if we are like physically removed from some place because of our location or something, it's getting easier and easier to find those people who are near us that we wouldn't have known about previously. Yeah, this is happening. I mean, this is probably happening everywhere. Uh, and it's happening around here as well. There's a big phenomena, phenomenon in that started in Finland that is now happening in Sweden, which is called uh, Rico Rings, which is basically like some sort of translated into like proper consumption or something, uh, which is basically the same setup. People that book food in advance and the producers show up and you make the deliveries, but that all happens on Facebook. So there's a big kind of a group of people that are setting up Facebook groups locally, which producers can join. And then they, in those groups, they just post what they 
have on offer and people comment on the post to say like, I want one or I want three or however that goes. And that's been really blooming uh, lately. So we feel that that's great because that's kind of exactly the behavior that we're going for. However, we'd like to make it both a more tailored experience for that type of behavior than Facebook is just everything, but also to lift it out of that place so that it's available for people that don't engage in Facebook and also to make sure that we are providing the service in a way that we feel is upholding the values that we want to create in society. And, and on that, I can just add to the, the like the, our economic model is that the only thing that uh, you need to pay for on the site is when you as a consumer are, go- is going, are going to make to book food from a producer, uh, you need to pay a yearly membership fee. You can set that fee yourself. You, and you can set zero if you want to. You just have to enter the details and write zero. But we're kind of forcing you to uh, make that statement uh, and, and just to see what, what do you feel and, and to shift uh, the thinking around what do you like a free platform to instead saying what do you feel that this, this is worth to you. And we're, we're really experimenting with that model, which is super interesting to see how it's working. And it's, so far we have an average of, of uh, 20 euros per year which is about, I don't know, $22 or something, which is on the first 250 uh, or so users. I'm not sure exact number right now. So this is a pay-what-you-want-or-pay-what-you-can consumer-supported website? Yes. It's trying to go towards gift thinking and gift economy, but we're, we are kind of pushing people a little bit by, by not you know going... The route that Wikipedia does that is basically saying, please donate um, if you're going to use it, which I, I mean, for, for them, it'd be really strange if I had to pay in order to see it, maybe. But for us, we're trying to say like, you know, we, and we're also really explicit in that all of our economic, we don't have that part of the site up really yet, how we integrate the economic, because we've just started getting funds in. Uh, but we're going to have a transparent accounting of all the money that comes in and all the money that goes out. So that's important for us. And if I'm following this, then producers do not pay in order to sign up, in order to list their products and book their deliveries? That's right. Producers don't pay anything. It's it's meant as a producer service. Like we are, our goal is to do you know, local development and rural development, and but also the cities, I think this will work. But uh, yes, so our, our goal is to facilitate the production of local food. So therefore, we, we wanted it to be something that is made for uh, producers. And we think that this is convenient enough for consumers that they feel that they're benefiting uh, from it. And that's why we, we think that that can be the, the kind of leverage point to, to where we get the funding. That really flips a lot of those ideas on the head because I'm so used to businesses having to pay in order to be listed as opposed to doing like a a user subscription for those people who are interested in accessing that information. Yeah, it's it's fun to to kind of see what we, you know, because there's a lot of consumers and there's not as many producers. So it's, I don't know, I feel like there is there is a lot of goodwill in people to eat local and buy local and do these things. and. I think that we can really utilize that. So it'll be interesting to see how far this this is going to go now that we've launched and that we've started getting revenue and things.
And then what are the statistics of use right now? How many um, nodes and producers do you have involved at the moment? We launched it in May, so it's about two, uh, three months in. And uh, we have really active nodes. We have about six nodes. It's all in Sweden so far, which is why it's really fun for me to reach out, of reaching out to a few different places uh, around the world. But uh, so it's all in Sweden. It's about six nodes that are really quite active. And I think we have signed up users are around 600 users or so. Not all of them have started paying into it. We have almost 300 now, I see, that have um, started doing uh, orders. So it's a fairly small base. But the interesting thing about that for me, looking at what's happening on the site now, is that contrary to a lot of like big internet sites, what we really need are some dedicated people that do this locally. I mean, you could use this site with just one node and have it really flourishing uh, locally without that really reflecting poorly or say, since it's so dependent on having local kind of buy-in as opposed to having you know, a few people everywhere, you can have these kind of clustered groups that for them it can work. That being said, we, we are still really hoping to get a lot more traffic on the nodes and, and people ordering on the nodes that are already up because it's, it's definitely just starting out. I really see this project that you've launched on your website as filling a niche that we've been having a problem with here in central Pennsylvania in that we've kind of had a glut of farmers markets. And so there are kind of enough farmers markets now for consumers. You can attend one almost any day of the week. There's always a wide variety of products. But we have a lot of farmers who are doing a lot of different work in order to support themselves. So you have some perhaps who can't get into a farmer's market because it's closed or because of their schedule. You have others who are doing CSAs, some who are doing direct sales or wholesale. And one of the things that we've been trying to figure out is how do we connect the diversity of producers that are available in central Pennsylvania, because there are dozens of farmers doing this with local consumers in a way that is easy for everybody involved. And what you're doing with local food nodes really seems to check a lot of those boxes and make it easier. Now it's just a matter of getting your site and this information into the hands of the right people. Yeah, that's what we're really hoping for. And that's what we're going for. I mean, it's, uh, it's just that fact of it's not grown, I think, as much in Sweden as it has in, in the U.S., but there's some. And going to a farmer's market takes a lot of time for producers. And you don't know how many people are going to be there, and you don't know how much you're supposed to bring and what's going to go back and what's going to go bad. Uh, so like all these variables is something that we're really hoping to, to make much more fluid and easily managed so that you know when the day comes or the day before, whenever you set your deadline for deliveries, like you can set on each product, you can set how long before the delivery do you need to have the order. So whenever that deadline is, you know how much you're going to bring that following delivery day. Uh, you know who to pack it to, how much to pack in each bag. And the drop-offs can last, if it's not a special event or anything, usually our drop-offs last about 20 minutes. You talk for a while and, and the producers come and they deliver their food and they go. If we have, sometimes we plan a bit bigger events where you have like tastings, people can show off their things a bit more and you have a, maybe some music or something. We've done that a few times. It's really nice. But otherwise, if you have these in the middle of the week drop-offs, usually they're quite rapid events, which both as much as we love hanging out with our food producers, both the producers and the consumers have their regular day-to-day 
schedules that, that kind of contest this going the extra mile. So that's a big part of what we're trying to do is to make it easy enough to make it a consumer habit. Uh, and also that's what we're trying to we, we One of the new features coming soon is having these weekly emails that come up for the nodes that you've engaged with to say, like, this is what's available for next week and, you know, order whatever you want. And this kind of reminders so that people can easily just get that email a few days before the delivery and see what they want and order it and come pick it up and have schedules, have like notifications and and, and alarms and stuff to just know that you're going to go there. It's a long-term project, and we're really looking at how do we create stable and workable infrastructure for local food for both that works for producers and consumers. As I keep turning it over, as I interact with the site, and I'm sitting here sending out messages to some friends of mine that they need to check it out and connect with it because of some of the work that they're doing, is that it combines, at least from an American perspective here on the East Coast, a lot of things that I'm already very familiar with. That idea of going to a designated pickup site for a CSA share, you know, is something that is very normal as part of our farm to consumer habits here in the United States, as well as, you know, that farmer's market model that this kind of blends with us being able to go and meet the person who's doing this, that we can just kind of find a place and an address to do it. I can see making it incredibly accessible by working with community groups or churches or any of those other places where people normally gather, that we can be doing farmer drop-offs and then pickups at really any day or time of the week that matches the needs of those involved in that interaction and the way that it really opens up a lot of markets to be able to continue to get fresh, whole food into the hands of the people who want it. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad if we can really start to even at this stage, supply that availability for people. I mean, we have we have a long list of features we want to do, but we know that the basic function functionality is there, at least from our vantage point. I mean, we, I'm sure there are things we haven't thought of, but uh, we are trying it and, and people are using it. So there's, there's uh, functionality. And also that what you're speaking to in the familiarity of drop-off points in CSA is something that we've seen as well, that people can use that if they are already a CSA producer or somehow already have a place that they go to drop off, it's really easy for them to just start a node at that spot and just have other people come at the same time. So basically, a lot of the nodes are started by producers. Here in Sweden, at least, they're started by producers that feel, I mean, you, you can start a node as a consumer or as an organization or as a, I mean, as a church, et cetera, or, or whoever feels inclined to start organizing this and, and trying to market it locally. But for a lot of producers, it's just really natural to set up their delivery spot as a node. And then because it adds value to their customers to be able to come and get not only what they provide through their CSA, but also other things that they don't provide. Uh, and it becomes a really rich experience. And you're finding that these nodes and the different farmers coming together is producing a very cooperative kind of food culture? Yes, so far. I mean, we are we are not a lot of big producers. And, and I mean, I think that for us, at least, there is such a big demand generally for local food. The problem is getting it, getting the right people come and see it. We've had several producers producing the same thing on our node 
lamb, for instance. And I mean, people get to choose their producer, and, and I don't think anybody has felt that it's kind of this competitive field. It's more about how do you find the people that are attracted to exactly what you're doing, and how do you present yourself? And it's most of the producers, when they come to the to the meetings, are, are curious about what the other people are doing. And you, I mean, our our intention is for this to become a place where we help each other as well, producer to producer, and and maybe start doing education together, or start trying things together, or, or engage in partnerships, uh, because it is a community setting where you're meeting a lot of people, like kind of like you do on a on a farmers market, but you're not competing for people's money right then and there because the bookings have already been done so it's kind of a little bit different maybe but we've so far we've felt that that the producers that i know at least i mean I, there's a lot of them that i don't know and i'm not sure if if there are people that feel that they, it's hard to compete or something but it feels to me that the producers that i know and i've talked to feel happy about engaging on a community level and in that way the creation of a node and bringing people together just kind of serves as the catalyst to start these conversations and to begin building these community connections. Yeah. And so that's what we're, I mean, this is, we're focusing on, on getting this going and, and, and kind of making it a fluid and, and nice experience. But we also have the goals or the vision set on expanding this maybe to other domains, as we talked about with other materials, but also how do you start doing some local events, maybe educational events, and how do you, I mean, it's once you kind of have an infrastructure where people can add things, because you can already add an event. So in, a producer, for instance, can add that they have an open farm day, and that shows up in the node calendars where they are connected so that consumers can see, like, okay, so what's going on with the producers uh, around this node? And also the node administrator can add events. So if they're going to have like a potluck with all the producers to get to know the producers or have whatever they want to try to do, there are already some tools to kind of engage people more generally in the community. I can see the way then that you can use this system to build up those social aspects in order to get people together more often so that they can spend time getting to know one another and continuing to grow and build those connections. One of the things we just found, we talked about this last week when we went to pick up uh, our box because we have a vegetable box. And, and we met some friends there and we kind of said like, well, we, maybe we should move this delivery spot to somewhere where there's a children's playground because it's quite nice to just bring the children in and just we can have a chat and then it's nice to have them play and facilitate it into becoming an even more social experience for those that just want to hang around or talk afterwards because it becomes a natural, unforced way of meeting because you're all there to, to pick up food, but then you're there, so you might as well chat. So it's kind of nice to pick a location. We started to figure out it's kind of nice to pick a location where you can you can do that if you want to, but then you can also just pick up your stuff, and if you need to go, you can go. I really like this idea, Victor, and everything you've shared with us in the ways that we can leverage technology to connect both the farm to the table and the consumer to the producer. And with that, I was wondering if you have any other thoughts for the listeners about yourself, this project, or where you'd like to see things go in the future. What I think I'd like to share is that this is a project that is based on really open principles. We are an open source project. Everything's available on GitHub. And what we 
are aiming to do is quite a lofty goal. We're trying to invigorate local local economies and local connections. And we're really open to collaboration. And we're hoping to get people that feel engaged by this to help us, or not even just help us, just collaborate in, in creating this platform into what it, we want it to be. We're trying to be as open as possible to as much input as possible and adjusting. We are constantly adjusting to the producer's needs that we are finding. We have a beta user Facebook group, which is really useful to getting, we are getting a lot of feedback on this. I need this edition or this thing doesn't work for me or could you have this feature? And that really tells us whether or not we are really going at it in a good way and if we're really uh, successful in, in filling the needs of the producers. And we've had that from the start. Uh, so that's how we feel that we are kind of gauging ourselves whether or not we're doing what needs to be done. So I'd, I'd love to lift that uh, to people as well. Is We're more than happy to have more people engaged in that and give us feedback and try to engage with development if, if possible. That's something that I'd like to just add uh, is that it'd be great to have people engage uh, with us as well. Well, and I definitely want to point more people to your site and this project because when we're done with this conversation, I'm going to be sending off a flurry of email and Facebook messages to folks I know who are involved in local food to see about getting them involved because there's so much good here that I see in the way that this answers so many questions. And it's just a great resource for making these kinds of connections that we haven't been able to until very recently with all this open source technology and just the accessibility and reduced cost to host websites and everything else. It's amazing to see how everything's coming together to be able to create these kinds of solutions. And that really kind of encapsulates all my thoughts at the end of this conversation is just the need for me to get this information out there to everybody. The one final thing is what I'd like to, to just make clear as well is how, I mean, if this is going to be used in a wider way or, or by, by as many people as we'd like it to be used, we will see what kind of money starts flowing towards us as well. And what we've designed or how we've set it up is that we want to make sure that we use money in a good way. But then whatever money we have left, we are looking to set up a sort of local initiative, local food fund that can try to hasten the development of these food nodes or food production or things in that manner. So that's kind of like our feeling is that whether if we can make this into a very useful platform, we feel that there might be more resources than we know what to do with. And if that is the case, I mean, this is very wishful thinking in a way, perhaps, but we are also setting up like contingencies of what would we like to do if we weren't to come into to those kinds of situations where we, we could fund other things. And that's also something that'd be really fun to, to discuss with more people. In How do we set up a kind of constant long-term crowdfunding for local food in general. So that's a final thought that I'd like to throw out. Well, and as people contact you about that idea, I'd certainly like to hear more because of some of those conversations in the permaculture community about how we can fund and support more projects. Thank you for everything that you've shared with me today, Victor. I look forward to hearing from you again in the future so that we can continue not only to follow your project, but also to hear more about the solutions that you're creating. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. And that was Victor Zonders. You can find out more about this project and how to get involved by going to localfoodnodes.org. 
as the base site is in Swedish, if you don't speak that language, when you go to the website, you're going to want to choose the drop-down in the upper right-hand corner labeled Svenska, and then choose English. Or if you'd like to go ahead and go directly to the English version of the site, use the link in the resource section of the show notes. It'll take you right there. What I liked about this conversation with Victor, and why I chose to have him join me for an episode of the show, is because of that niche that I see the localfoodnodes.org website filling that's somewhere between a grocery store, a farmer's market, or a community-supported agriculture share. As I talk to different farmers in the area and spend more time involved in on-farm activities through attending the Pennsylvania Association for Sustainable Agriculture event on biogas and hearing from some of the farmers that were there, and then going back and talking to Matt Steinman some more, and then also talking with a friend of mine who was managing a local organic farm, I'm beginning to get a better understanding of what it's like to run a farm from those people who are there on the ground farming. And there are a number of challenges that are more than just growing food and getting it to the farmer's market. Sometimes you have a glut and an overrun of something. And maybe something like Local Food Nodes would provide you an opportunity to create a direct connection with your clients, customers, and consumers, and be able to get that extra food to them for a better price. Or maybe you're just starting out as a farmer and don't have access to a farmer's market because the ones in your area are closed, or you live in a small town that doesn't have one, or maybe you're living in an area that has rules and regulations about doing something like a pop-up market. There are just so many different ways in which farms and farmers can be shut out from or pushed away from the marketplace. And something like Local Food Nodes gives us a way to work within and around the structures that exist so that good, healthy food can make it into the hands of those people who want it and need it. So if you're interested in this idea, whether you're a customer, a farmer, or just someone who's engaged in food policy issues, though I guess really saying whether or not your consumer doesn't really fit because we all need to eat food to live. So in one way or another, we are involved in the process of consuming food, whether we're growing it ourselves or buying it from others. Still, check out localfoodnodes.org and see what you can do to be a part of this movement and work on rebuilding those relationships that are so vital in creating community. Along the way, as always, if there's anything that I can do to help you in that process, feel free to get in touch. Give me a call, 717-827-6266. Send me an email, show at thepermaculturepodcast.com. Or, of course, you can always drop something in the post. The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. And from here, the next conversation, out on October 17th for Patreon supporters, is a guest spot from David Bilbrey when he sits down to talk with Lisa Stoke of Food Democracy Now! and Next7.org. So until then, spend each day creating the world that you want to live in by taking care of Earth, yourself, and your community.